turn to uh, Luke chapter 18. If you guys have your Bibles, uh, I want to ask that we all turn there uh, to Luke chapter 18. Um, I'll give you a minute to turn there. <clears throat> and uh, wanted to add something. So sometimes people, they might think, well, you know, I trust that you're reading from the Bible. So what use, what, what, what use is it to, to pull out my Bible? And I think the primary reason for that is that we want to evaluate uh, whether or not what I'm saying is in fact rooted here in the text. As we see in the book of Acts, um, the Bereans, they, um, they didn't take Paul as the final authority. Uh, you, you understand? They, they had taken the scriptures as the final authority, so they, they made an appeal to, to the Holy Writ. And, um, and so they examined whether or not what Paul was saying was consistent with what was uh, proclaimed in the scriptures. And so... Uh, what we're doing when we're um, examining what I'm saying in light of the text is being what, what's called Bereans. Good Bereans, that's that's who they were. Who um, And it, the Bible takes careful note and it says that they were of more noble character than I think. Um, I think that he, Luke was comparing them to the Thessalonians. He says they were more uh, of noble character than the Thessalonians because unlike the... Um, yeah, so the Bereans, I, I think they were very studious in that regard. But nonetheless, so let, let us uh, appeal to Luke 18 if you're there. Um, I'm reading uh, from the NIV if you want to follow along. And the Bible says in verse 1, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, before I continue, there's something that I want to say on the outset is that typically uh, what's, what's gathered and what's gleaned from this passage here is um, a principle of importunate prayer. And that certainly, and importunate means persistent. And that certainly is, is true. And we glean from this text um, a teaching of Jesus that insists that we ought uh, be ought to be persistent. However, there's something that I, I, at the end I want I want to include within uh, his teaching on prayer and relate it to justice, um, because this is actually the context. Because while the principle of being persistent in prayer can apply to any petition that we give to the Lord. Any petition, whether that's personal needs or whether that's a breakthrough in our lives. However, the, the theme of this particular passage is one of justice, as we will see. But verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And so number one, one of the things I want to point out is his audience. He doesn't, he doesn't teach this to the world, right? He teaches this to his disciples, one, uh, his disciples, and it, that comes from the Greek, and it, it's the word mathetes, and it means student, learned one, pupil, right? So we, we get the idea that, that Jesus is speaking to those 
um, whom it is true uh, that the word of the Lord abides in them and, and, and they abide in Christ, right? He says, if my word abides in you and you in me, then you are my disciples indeed, right? So it's not, it's not uh, on, the, on the basis of an ideology or a fraternity or a philosophy or, or anything else other than Christ and his word. Right, Amen. It, it, our our uh, our status of being disciples isn't in relation to a denomination, but it's in relation to Him, to His Word. His Word is supreme. Right. So He's speaking to His audience, and the reason why this is important to take note of, I just I seen something recently. Someone posted. I hope it's <laughs> no one in this chat. Um, but, uh, it, it was, it involves something like some guy, I, I think he was on like, a, um, I don't know if it was like a music award or, or what it was. Right. And, um, but he had like an, he had like an award and he was speaking to an audience of what were, what I assumed to be a bunch of celebrities. And one of the advice he had given them is, uh, pray. And I'm like, no, I'm thinking in my head, you got to repent before you can pray because, because he says, pray because it's good for the soul. And that, that, that sounds real good on paper, but you have to understand that the audience to which he's speaking isn't an audience that has any relationship with God, right? They have no, they have no knowledge of who the Lord is. And therefore, their prayers will be futile. They, they would be pointless. Proverbs says that the, the prayer of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Right? Imagine receiving from the hands of Hitler a cake. The cake is defiled by the fact that it's coming from defiled hands. Right? They, they must first uh, 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 do away with their old lifestyle, repent, and confess the Lord Jesus. Right? Because remember in Luke 11, when Jesus is teaching on prayer, it, it, the, he gives an analogy of a, of a friend going to his friend's house. Of a man going to his friend's house. And so that assumes friendship. Do you see? In, in, in other words, how, how, what grade of... What great success do you think you would have in asking something from your enemy? Right? Does that make sense? And the reason why I bring that up is because for those who are in opposition to God, who are not coming under his lordship, they make themselves an enemy of God. Y'all can say amen or ouch or whatever whatever you got to say. Just, uh, it, it's true, right? And so his audience, however, are his disciples. It's not the world. And so it says, Then Jesus told his disciples the parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Or I like the way the King James Version puts it, and not faint. And so, so Jesus here is, is, in other words, putting them, these two ideas in opposition. 
They're opposed to one another. They're opposites from one another. That, that is to say that one cannot give up and continue to pray. And, and one cannot continue to pray and be said of that individual that they have given up. You want to know one of the great indications that you are giving up on God, giving up on, on your destiny, is that you're beginning to relapse into a state of prayerlessness. That you, More and more, you, you are coming to a place that you don't believe in prayer. You, you, you just, you give it your half best. You give it with a half heart. If you do pray, it, you're, you're, the totality of who you are is not in this. Right? So, when we pray, we have to give everything. David says, with my whole soul will I bless the Lord. All that is within me. Right? God wants our entire hearts. And God wants us to be energized by His Spirit. See, in the economy of the Spirit, the Spirit knows no fainting. You know those believers who always speak as if they're, they're just hanging on by a thread? Let me, just, let me just burst your bubble and say that's not the will of God. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the TED Talk pastors say. I don't care what the latest uh, you know, uh, best-selling author in the Christian bookstores uh, has said the the point is that in the economy of the spirit, the Lord does not grow weary nor faint. Therefore, if you're walking by His self same Spirit, that assumes that there is no fainting. Amen. That doesn't mean that there w- there will be um, an avoidance of difficulty or hardship. Or tribulation. That is certainly what we all go through. In in, in different measures. But nonetheless. For a believer to be spirit energized. And praying. And and, and they know nothing of the, the word faint. Right? Because again Jesus. He puts these at at odds together. And so. He spoke a parable to the end that they should always pray and not give up. And so sometimes what you need to do when you find discouragement or you find yourself going through a battle that and the devil wants to bring you away from prayer, go to the word of God. Before I before I pray sometimes I go I revisit the passages 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 through uh, 16. That if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if he hears me, I have those things which I have asked of him. Mark 11, verse 24, Whatsoever things that I ask in prayer, believe that I have them, and they shall be mine. Matthew 7, Ask and I shall receive. Seek and I shall find. Knock and the door will be open. And so the word of God begins to pummel those lies that the devil wants to inject into my mind and begins to discredit them undercut all those lies and 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 faith comes by hearing that word and standing on that word standing on those promises and so jesus is giving a a parable here he is he is uttering some words upon which you can ground your faith 
so that in the times where Satan attempts you to, to want to relapse or to get to a place of, of, of despairing or hopelessness or fainting, you revisit what Jesus has spoken. And what I love about this is that this implies that he acknowledges that there will be a difficulty to continue in prayer. Amen. He doesn't say he doesn't just dismiss the difficulty. And the reason let, let me let me um, even exaggerate this further. Not only is it difficult, it is impossible. Let me qualify that. It's impossible to the natural man. Because you are commanded to interact with a spirit. And therefore, it takes spiritual men and spiritual women to engage and to interact with that spirit, namely the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so, you, you, you know, I, I think one of the, I think one of the, um, let me just, let me just throw something out here. And I, I don't at all mean to say this to be insulting, but I'm just stating it as a pure matter of fact. Often I've, I've had in, in my experiences, uh, theology students, and I, I don't think theology is bad. Okay. Let me just, let me qualify that. But there's a, there, there's a bigger point that I want to make in saying this, is that there's been theology students that try to uh, educate me. And I'm not saying theoretically, like just in the head, right? Like trying to really educate me in spirituality, but they don't pray. And that's a big issue. Because, uh, because what's going on is someone who knows God less it is trying to educate someone who knows God more. And that can sound like an arrogant claim if you don't know the path of prayer. If you're not intimate with God in prayer, you'll think that's an arrogant claim because it makes people feel inferior, right? You s now, now, spiritual men and spiritual women know that when that's said rightfully, not with arrogance or being condescending or trying to elevate yourself as the Mr. I-know-it-all, that you know that that's not an arrogant statement. If I spend more time with my father learning of his ways, then it's arrogant for that individual to not yield to the wisdom that, that he has made available to me to impart. You see? Now, the point that I want to make in bringing that up is, is people who do not stay close to God in the closet are not trustworthy. Because how can they adequately handle spiritual things if they're lacking in being spiritual people? You see that? It's kind of like it's kind of like when I was in the world. I hate, forgive me if this is a poor analogy, but I remember in the world when someone really wasn't a drug addict, the way they would hold the blunt, the way they'll 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 smoke it. I can tell they were a novice, and they could put on a front and act like, "Ah, oh, I've been doing this stuff forever." I'm like, "No, you." The way you roll it, you know, and all this stuff, you know, you know when someone's a novice and someone's not familiar with that lifestyle, right? I know it's a poor analogy, but it's just the first thing that came to my mind. 
Um, my point of saying that is, is you know when you've come to a place where you've mastered prayer. And, and, and we as the church, there ought not to be infants. Infants that remain infants in prayer. Amen? Yeah. I, I've made it a habit, and my wife can attest to this. Every time I'm coming up, well, I, let, me, let me be more modest in my claim. Many times when I come up against a problem... I make it, I'm adamant and insistent upon obeying Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition present my request to God. Pray, pray. A problem comes. You know, the natural man, his temptation is due to avoid praying. You know, you know, if the natural man had his way, you know how he would edit that verse and say, do, uh, be anxious in everything and all you do complain. Right? Yeah. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, penned it contrary and said, do not be anxious about anything. And so, you know, that means anything. There's a whole... It, Anything means anything. You know, one of the funny things I've heard over the years, uh, I've, I've heard people use this. He said, you know, because when people are about to quote the Greek, your ears are like, oh, what is he going to say? It's going to be deep, huh? And and he says, you know what it says in the Greek? All means all. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> it's just all. So anything is anything. And so whether small or whether big. Because... Satan will exploit those burdens. Satan will exploit those cares. And you know the parable of the four soils? The one that's choked out by the worries and the cares of this life? They don't pray. Because those cares aren't meant for you to carry them. You're meant to cast them. Amen. So make it a habit. And, and suffer not from amnesia. Because you'll look at the perfect law of liberty and say, ah, I know this to be true. And then when, when confronted with an issue, you forget. Let that not be so. May the Holy Spirit bring back to remembrance these things which have been spoken. But returning back to Luke 18, verse 1, he says, men ought always to pray. In other words, pray without ceasing. Pray. Uh, and what I wanted to say earlier is that those who are most uh, insistent in prayer are those that um, are the most energized. You know, some of you guys, you know, because some of you guys send screenshots in the chat and your battery is almost always at dead. <laughs> our screen records it's like 10% especially the young generation I don't know why they do that I'm like what do you charge your phone <laughs> don't leave your don't leave your spiritual battery there 
So it says, <clears throat> verse 2, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was, it sounds like Biden, right? <laughs> Joe Biden for you. You don't care what anybody thinks. He, he don't even know what he thinks. <laughs> he, don't even, he don't even know what he thinks at the time. What which focused? <laughs> the guy asks him, "How's your mental focus? Which focused?" <laughs> I'm sorry. So he says, "Neither care." It says, "Nor cared what people thought." And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him. <clears throat> with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. You know, um, there's a word in the English language, and I don't expect some of you to know uh, what it means. Uh, maybe because, you know, I'm speaking particularly to the, those in, you know, different parts of the world. But I'll explain it. It's audacious. I mean, it, it's um, it's like a bold... Uh, insistence like it, it's kind of like if someone doesn't belong somewhere or even uh, uh, belong speaking to someone and they, they come up to them and you know asks them something uh, like maybe a, an outlandish thing or a huge thing it can be said of that individual that they're audacious they have audacity well this widow has audacity I hope I'm clear on that. It's not a, you know, word for word definition, but I I think you get the idea of what what the character of this widow, because um, in former times, that from my understanding historically, a woman's a wit a woman's uh, voice can only be heard if if she she had a husband. Right? And the husband would would appear before court, and their trials would be heard, right? And and um, I can stand and correct on that. I don't know all the the details of of you know those legal proceedings historically. However, I think Jesus is giving us important detail here by noting the fact that this is a widow. So tip, you know, there wasn't welfare, there wasn't these social networks that helped to aid these people. In, in their times of difficulty, financial difficulty, and, and they, um, they uh, okay, Brother Linus, showing a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. Uh, thank you, Brother. Appreciate it. Um, so they didn't have all that, and they relied heavily upon the income of a, of a husband, right? And, and so... She is probably destitute, doesn't have anything. And so she don't got much to lose, right? And so she's coming to this judge and, and it's not her faith in the judge's ability to act because Jesus made it clear that this judge doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about God and he doesn't care about people. However, she is audacious in her asking and she is bold in her asking. And the Bible says that she continues to hound this judge. Um, the, the Greek word used is the same word 
that Paul used when he speaks about beating his body into subjection. In other words, it is to wound it, to, to browbeat, to, to bruise his body. And so um, as we see, the judge later then says, I'm going to grant her request lest she beat me by her continual coming. Right? But in the meantime, she is coming despite the fact that she's being put off, despite the fact that uh, it appears as if there's no hope. Right? Right? So the Bible says again, it says, uh, verse 3, And there was a widow in that town who kept coming. What I like about this is that the Bible doesn't state how long she's coming. Because if, if the Bible stated that, you know, it's three months or six months, we might only have, have hope in our persistence in prayer within that time frame. And anything beyond that, we, we might lose hope, right? But the Bible doesn't state how long. However, it does state that she kept coming. She kept coming. To him, it says, with this plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. So there isn't many things that she's asking for. She's asking for one request. She is presenting one petition. And I think this is important also to note that this is in the context of uh, of a judicial system. Because God himself is judge. And and the, the word petition is a legal term. So when we offer petitions unto the Lord, he examines it by the law, the, 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 the legalities of his book. He's examining it by his law book to see if our requests are consistent with his law book. Does that make sense? He is a judge and he examines those petitions and they only have strength in that court if they can be found within the scriptures. Amen. Anything in violation to his word is to be rejected, right? We ought not to expect to receive anything from the Lord if it is not consistent with his word. And so she's presenting this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And so there's another thing I want you to take note of, and it's this, that it's not unbiblical to pray for justice. We, we, we live in a day and an age where we think that to pray for justice is blasphemy. We think to pray for justice is somehow anti-Jesus. We think to pray for justice is somehow just, I mean, it's largely unheard of from our American ears, right? Because we're always praying, you know, teddy bear prayers. Oh God, cuddle them. You know, grant them a, a, a new bear from Build the Bear, right? Grant them new gummy bears in their, you know. <laughs> but that, that's what we hear. And I'm exaggerating, of course, but the point that I'm making is that this is biblical. She, she, she doesn't want to be a doormat. She is saying, give me justice against my adversary. I have an enemy. We don't know what that enemy is doing, 
but we know that the enemy is opposing her in some way. Right? And she goes to this judge who is corrupt and says, Give me justice against my adversary. And what does the Bible says? For some time he refused. So he says, no, no. You know, I, I, I shared this before, but I remember when I was watching like a travel YouTube channel. This guy had gone to somewhere in India. And uh, there was this panhandler that just kept pestering him for money. No lie. <laughs> literally for like, literally. For like 30 minutes, this guy was following him around, asking him for money. And he's like, dude, get away. Like he was almost going to punch the guy because he was following him everywhere. And he was like trying to weave in and out of traffic to lose the guy and he just won't give up. He was being importunate. He was being persistent in his asking. Right? That, I think, is pretty desperate. You know? You know, here uh, it's much easier to be, you know, it's much easier to yield to maybe a homeless person. They ask once, they ask twice, maybe three times. Like, okay, okay, just, all right. At this point, um, I'm just paying for my peace, right? Um, but nonetheless, it says, for some time he refused, but he finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So he, he's not concerned about justice. He doesn't say, oh, because I'm such a just judge, I'm going to see that she gets justice. He's very self-concerned. He's very self-concerned. And so um, you can imagine, right? What what it, what odds she was against her, and yet she continued to persist, and she eventually won by her continual asking. And see, here's the problem with some Christians. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He says, uh, "God don't hear prayer; He hears desperate prayer." See, some of us falter, some of us fall back, some of us uh, uh, don't get what we're asking for, not because we didn't ask. But because we didn't ask with persistence. There are some things <clears throat> that God will continue to require for you to ask for through a span of five years. A amen? Some of y'all following? Amen. Are y'all fa fainting? <laughs> Don't faint. <laughs> This should encourage you to, to know that you aren't abnormal. If you haven't received breakthrough for some of the things you're asking, you're not abnormal. There's nothing peculiar about what you're going through. This is common in our walk with the Lord. There are some things that by a single asking, you grant it happens in the moment. But for other things, you may have to pray every day for 10 years. And you, you want to know the, 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 the fruitfulness in, in continually asking the Lord 
throughout that span is because prayer is also a platform for change, for transformation. So as the things in the natural are being manipulated to, to honor your request, to, to change all the things in the background, to bring into conformity that which you have petitioned before the Lord, while God is transforming the things in the background and orchestrating everything, you also in that process are being transformed. Why? You learn patience. Amen. And what, what, what you also come to acknowledgement of in a realization is that God is a sovereign king and he gets up upon his, he, he, he administers his answers to you in his timing. Hallelujah. It's kind of like the child who's constantly pestering the mother or the father for candy or food or, you know. And if if that child can get that parent to yield every time it becomes spoiled but if the 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 parent has a a will of steel and says no dinner time is at this time or you know you're going to get this at this time and that parent is consistent that child learns subjection it, it, it soon acknowledges that the parent is in rulership over that child and that, that there is a standard and that standard there is for that child's good. In like manner, there are some of you that grow so discouraged and, and, and it's, it's beyond the point of discouragement. Some are even tempted to just throw in the towel and say, I'm done with this. What's the point? Can I can I let you in on a little hint that that's a that's a good dose of satanic philosophy. Because you, you don't realize that subtly creeping in is this same voice heard in the garden. Did God really say? Did God really say? Oh, you know that God whom you serve, he he really can't do it. Come on, get real. Bless yourself. Stop waiting on being blessed of the Lord. You know you're not blessed. Bless yourself. Right? God only helps them who help themselves. Right? That Those sort of cliches. And the devil's giving you his own path to obtain what you want. And don't don't think I'm speaking from a position that that is distant from you. Because I've had to cry many tears. As I have endured um, trials, and praying for outcomes to change, praying for there to be different outcomes. The Bible says you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. Unfortunately, some do not endure. This is precisely why Jesus is speaking this parable to the end that men ought always to pray and not faint. 
not faith. But here, verse 6, it says, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Isn't that interesting? You know, the Lord would actually call to attention what an unjust judge says. Right? See, a broken clock is right two times a day. Even Paul quoted the the false prophets of the Cretans. He says, even among their own prophets, he has said, you know, they're liars, brute beasts, you know, slow bellies, or says something like that. Right? He quotes, uh, I think, Epicurus in Acts 17 also. He says, among, you know, your own poets have said, uh, we are his offspring. Um, but nonetheless, he says, the unjust judge says this, he says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? So, what Jesus is showing here is that look at how a widow prevailed through her persistent praying to a corrupt, self-serving, narcissistic judge who didn't care about people, but we are coming to a just judge. Therefore, should not our hearts be encouraged, like Abraham said, in response to the Lord, shall not the God, the, the judge of all the earth do right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? No. We're seeing so many things prevalent. The the Satanism, satanic clubs, and you know, after school programs and LGBT being legislated, you know, same-sex marriage and all these other corruptions. And to that, I respond, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Amen. Our brothers and sisters being persecuted in other parts of the world, to which I say, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Hallelujah. And so, however... We must, as the church of God, pray. Pray for justice against our adversaries. Pray for justice against their adversaries. Do not, be, uh, do not shrink in fear. Do not shrink in doubt nor timidity, but be bold in your asking. Right, I want us to turn real quickly to Isaiah chapter 30. I want you to keep your place in Luke 18. <clears throat> uh, but turn uh, very quickly to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 and 19. Once again, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 and 19. The word of the Lord reads, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful promise? He longs. You know, you know. So, so some of us Hispanics here, we love our our, our tacos, right? <laughs> our tortas and and all that stuff, tamales. We we long for that. And then whatever is your main dish, wherever you're from, you long for that. You smell, you smell it cooking, right? Garnitas, right? Uh, but but there's a longing. The belly longs for something. Yeah, right. 
But now, now that that is a a desire of God. He he longs to be gracious to us. It says he. It says, um, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, He will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for Him. See, Luke 18 is a, is a parable to wait, to be persistent, to continue to pray. <coughs> you know, the Bible talks about the Lord rising, right? Let the Lord, it says, may the Lord arise and his enemies be scattered. Remember, Jesus arose from the throne when Stephen was being stoned. It, it, the Lord uh, arose from the throne when uh, Stephen was being uh, uh, stoned, right? See, the Lord rises up against our enemies. He rises up to be compassionate to us and to pour justice upon our adversaries. Right? This, is, this is common. Where you find in the scriptures of the Lord executing justice, the scripture says of him that he rises from the throne. Right? Amen, Amen somebody? Y'all following? Or, or, Amen. Or, or are we cessationists? Amen. <laughs> right. Are cessationists in this gathering? <laughs> I've substituted Mormons for cessationism now. <laughs> do, do I got to throw in like T.D. Jakes? Mm -hmm, slap you on the head. <laughs> Right, I I think that's ridiculous, man. Some people are so get ready, get ready, get ready, <laughs> get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> it's just it's hype and emotionalism, and unless you know that's it's a tra sad tragedy in the church today. Either it's it's just a a class with no anointing. No presence, or it's just all hype and emotionalism with no word, right? But nonetheless, um, <clears throat> man, this is a beautiful promise here. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice, right? That's biblical. He's a God of justice. Amen. He, he hears our pleas. He hears our cry. And I was blessed I was blessed to hear that testimony how you know uh, in, in Sister Norma's case, right that that wicked guy you know doing some shady stuff at her job we prayed and uh, Lord, he got fired that same night. Hallelujah. Pray that he'll get removed. He got fired that same night. Amen. Justice. Right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Or, or just, I, I love sharing this testimony too. Uh, we, when we were uh, going on our prayer walks, there was a coven of witches that were occupying an entire apartment complex. And week after week praying, remove them, God, remove them, remove them. Well, in, in about two or three months span, every week, Someone might say, you know, an intellectual Christian might come along and say, you see, what you really got to do is, you know, you know, 
postul you know, throw out some bizarre theory that he thinks is going to work, right? Like, you know, starts giving us stats and, you know, all these metrics and numbers and, you know, all this stuff that's that doesn't work, right? Could have lectured us, right? But instead, we believe the Lord's word and in three months' time, they were all removed. And a faith-based Christian men's recovery home purchased that property. It's amazing. Exactly what we're asking for. It was crazy. We've seen like altars with skulls on them and bones. It's crazy. When they got removed, because then... And, and I didn't even know I didn't even know about this. I, I, I later found out by a different brother say, hey, you know that place we're praying for? A brother that we know who's an executive of a of a Christian, you know, faith based organization purchased it out. <laughs> I was like, What? And so they actually ended up calling us to go pray over the property. Like, what? You were praying for this property week after week? <laughs> so that was really cool. We got the anointed place and that dude destroyed those altars. It was it was awesome. It was like Elijah, prophets of Baal sort of stuff. Amen. <laughs> let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. Amen. Hallelujah. <coughs> let me read one other one. Um, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 8. And the word of the Lord reads... Um, well actually let, let's begin verse 7 I'm sorry instead of your shame you will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace you will rejoice in your inheritance and so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours for I the Lord love justice right I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. The Lord loves justice. In fact, this is a command that we are to uh, walk humbly before God. Love justice. You know, it says act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God. Right? The Lord loves justice. And therefore, when we pray for justice against our adversaries or justice against wicked systems and and wicked agendas the lord loves justice so you're praying that the lord would manifest in the earth that which he loves right man i i know today we we the, the, the people don't love justice they love what they think is justice, but it's corrupt. They love uh, of condemning the innocent and and uh, uh, pronouncing uh, innocent the guilty. Right. Um. And let me let me read one other one. Isaiah chapter sixty-two, verse seven. Uh, well, verse six and seven. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. And give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her pray and makes her the praise of the earth. Now I, I know that 
this has prophetic fulfillment in the birth of the church. However, in principle, we see that the Lord is nonetheless saying, give him no rest. Just what we find in Luke 18, where the widow gave him no rest. And, and the Lord is saying to his, his uh, disciples, saying that, uh, uh, give him no rest. Who ask on him day and night that he would administer justice upon our adversaries. Right, it, the, the the Lord here in Isaiah sixty two is echoing, uh, and uh, Luke eighteen echoing what what is true of uh, Isaiah sixty two, and it's this, namely, don't give the Lord rest. And so, if you're not giving the Lord rest, that means that you are restless in prayer. You have to continue to come to a place to say, I'm not going to relax. I'm going to continue to uh, uh, bombard. God with these petitions. Right? Amen. So, returning back to um, Luke 18. See, this is... um, Now, this is an encouragement because this, this indicates that God wants to do something in the earth right people see this i i know i i rant on calvinism a lot but because i think it's so destructive to the church i believe calvinism is so destructive to the church because it creates what's called a fatalist mindset and it's this what will be is what will be god sovereignly predetermined every single thing in the universe even down to you eating the brand of cereal that you chose this morning Right, and then he just predetermined some people not to believe in Calvinism and others to believe, and there's nothing I can do about it. Right, there's no who cares, the outcome is going to be the outcome. Let's just sit back and relax and watch some geography channels or you know, or whatever. You know, let's just relax, you know, because God is sovereign, He's just going to do whatever He's going to do. And that's obviously false. Because it doesn't say in James, it says you have not because you ask not. But God is sovereign anyways, and I'm going to just do it anyways, even though you you refuse to ask. It doesn't say that. If you don't ask, there won't be anything. There won't be a manifestation of the will of God on earth. Therefore, ask. And in your asking, don't just ask once and say, I'm going to take it by faith and ask no more after that. He says, give him no rest. Right? Be persistent in the asking. Um, But so that's an encouragement that, see, a lot of times the thing, what Calvinists do is they see the devil at work and then they blame God. And say God is sovereign. That's what they do. And then what happens is people attribute cruelty to God. Right? Amen, somebody? Y'all following? Amen. <clears throat> and I, I, I just, I see it as a reprehensible 
and dangerous doctrine. That's why I constantly warn about it because their voices are so uh, common, you know, on social media and stuff. And, and a lot of what they say sounds good because they take stands on a lot of... See, this is where I think a lot of uh, these other circles that do know about the gifts and, and about uh, tongues and prayer where we need to espouse some of the things that they're doing because they're actually active in like political spheres and, and, and being activists in the world and actually seeking for a change because uh, uh, they really believe that Christ is ruling. But And so even though they take good stands on some issues, there's some other issues that they're not so good, right? And And, and that issue, I think, primarily paints a bad view of God saying, you know, God did this and God is sovereign. And, you know, um, they misunderstand sovereignty. And so, you know, we, we need to be those extensions of God's plans in the earth. He, he doesn't want us to sit at ease in Zion. He doesn't want us to just coast on and, and, and allow for the wicked to take all of this stuff. Amen. Right? God hasn't changed. He said, take the land. The meek shall inherit the earth. And even though we may not see that manifest for in some places or, or some regions for some people, it doesn't negate the fact that the word of God is true and he tells us to pray in this fashion for justice to come in the earth. Amen. And see, see what I, the reason why I'm emphasizing this too is because some believers are scared to pray this way. All I would say is this, if we don't obey his word here, then don't be surprised when you're scared, when people are seizing your property and doing all these things to you, right? We need to be a bulwark against wickedness, a bulwark, a wall against its corruption and refuse to recant Refuse to back down, refuse to relapse, refuse to be cowards, refuse all of that, rebel against that, and insist that we see Christ's manifestation as glory in the earth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, may your glory, may your glory be prevalent in the earth. Glory to God. <clears throat> and it says this, verse 7, And will not God bring just about justice for his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? So he's asking a rhetorical question, to which the answer to that question is an obvious, emphatic, absolute no. God will not keep putting them off. God will not keep putting off his chosen ones who cry to him day and night. So it's not just day, it's not just night. It is praying without ceasing. Will not God bring this about? And it is a certain 
Yes. Why? Because the Lord, He longs to be compassionate to us and He loves justice. Hallelujah. And it says this, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, He will see that they get justice. He will see it. Not he might, not maybe, not, you know, uh, know I mean, the devil's pretty powerful. He's, I don't know if I can win this one, guys. (laughs) I mean... No, that's not what it says. It says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly. Isn't that, it seems to be a contradiction, right? It appears to be, but it's not. Because he says, on the one hand, the saints are experiencing what seems to be a putting off. God ain't doing nothing about it. He's putting you off. He's answering. He's not answering you. But nonetheless, in the next breath, Jesus says, Oh yeah, that putting off that you're experiencing, don't worry. God will see to it that they get exactly what they're asking for and quickly. So no longer than what is meat, no longer than what is necessary. God is not just frolicking through, you know, uh, flowers skipping around, just, you know, somehow twiddling his fingers, just not governing the universe. Like, oops, I forgot I made that, guys. Amen. No, he's attentive to our cry. And he's not just, he's not playing games with people. But there's a, there's a testing, though, nonetheless, of our faith during that interval and that, that frame of time where God commands for us to be patient, to believe on Him, to trust in His Word, that He longs to be compassionate and gracious for the Lord. He is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Amen. It says in Psalm 9, The needy shall not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. That is a sure word. Amen. The needy shall not always be forgotten. This widow was needy. They shall not always be forgotten. So you know what that means? That implies that there's a time where it appears as if they're forgotten. And we know that this is common. David says in Psalm 13, he says, How long... Um, I can't... It's been a while since I've quoted that passage, so it's slipping my mind. But he says here, he says, um, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Ah, you see that. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. God, light to my, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. See, we got to understand it's not just salvation from the wrath of God. It's salvation from our enemies. Amen. Hallelujah. 
deliverance from our enemies. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He was certainly, undoubtedly, the Lord's anointed. Man after God's own heart. Prayer warrior. Valiant in fight. Right? He says, I pant after your law. So this wasn't a man that showed disdain or, or contempt or hatred for the law of God. It was his delight. Right? But he is wrestling. And he says, don't allow my enemies to triumph over me. I know that you're the God of all the earth. And you will do right. And as I seek you, turn your face toward me. Hide not your face. May your face shine upon me and be gracious to me. Hallelujah. And what was David's response? Was it trust in his own prayers? No, not necessarily. It was trust in the Lord's unfailing love. We understand that there is power through prayer, but more fundamental is the one who answers the prayer. And knowing the disposition of his heart, that his love is unfailing, and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He longs to be merciful and gracious to us. Thank you, Jesus. In Micah chapter 7, verse 19, it says, He delights to show mercy. In fact, I want to read real quickly Psalm 9 as well. Let's, let's go there. I, w- I want to read that in, in relation to Luke 18. <clears throat> it says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death, that I may declare your praises in the gates of daughter of Zion, and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead, all the nations that forget God. But God will never forget the needy, and the hope of the afflicted will never perish. Arise, Lord. There's that word again, arise. Right? When he arises, guess who scatters? His enemies. Arise, Lord, do not let mortals triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. 
Strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know that they are only mortal. Amen. So let that be our prayer. With these wick against these wicked totalitarian governments, wicked regimes, throw them in terror, and may they know that you remember the blood that they have uh, uh, spilt. Right, and that God remember the needy won't always be forgotten, and the afflicted, their hope of the the afflicted ones, it won't perish. It won't be deferred. Why? Because they they hope not in themselves, but in the Lord's unfailing love. They hope in the Lord's compassions. They hope in the Lord's grace. They hope in the Lord's kindness. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's let's return back to Luke 18 in closing. The reason why it's important to take note of this is because if if we don't have a view of of God's omnipotence, his 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 mighty power and his great compassions toward his people in in the world and all that's going on, our hearts would sink down into despair and hopelessness. Right? If we're not aware of these two things God's mighty power to act and his great compassions toward his people what hope do we have but we see clearly in the word despite what our eyes see God's word holds true I love this saying it's uh, God heals our yesterdays secures our todays and anchors our tomorrow And so, um, in closing, let, let, let us read uh, again from um, verse 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? As I've said and and mentioned earlier, one of the ways that you know that you are uh, losing faith is that you're not praying. Jesus spoke a parable to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. And so, if you have fainted, you're no longer praying. If you are praying, that that is an indication that you are faith-filled. That you are still looking to Him. That you're still submitting to His ways, waiting on Him to act. Right? And and actually, what what this here is speaking of, and in, in, um, the Lord vindicated His people. And the Lord did rescue his people in in, uh, in 70 AD at the destruction of the temple. 
And those who had faith had, had believed in the Lord's promises and had fled to, to the mountains. Right? And God did bring upon justice. Uh, and he, he poured justice upon the Jews. And one million of them, according to Josephus, were slaughtered. Why? Because judgment had come upon them. Just as it was in the days of Noah. Right? And who were taken out? The wicked. And the righteous remained. Amen. Sodom and Gomorrah, who perished and who remained. Right? Amen. <clears throat> so that is our hope as the people of God. Is that we shall abide, we shall inherit the land. In fact, let, let me let me read uh one last passage. I, I know I said that already, but this was just to confirm what I'm I'm saying if you want to turn to uh, Psalm 37. <coughs> and and, and uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, Psalm 37 verse 1 says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For they like grass, uh, for like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Now, let me ask you this: Is this a promise? Yes. It's a promise. It is the word of the Lord. So this isn't man. This isn't. You know, John MacArthur, this isn't some theologian. This is the word of the Lord. And it's saying what? It's command. It's an imperative statement, but it's a promise in the form of an imperative statement. And the statement is this. Dwell in the land and, and, and partake of safe pasture. Right? Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. When they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from anger, turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Amen? Now, some people would say, oh, this was just to the Jews in the promised land. Ah, but only one thing is this was written after the fact. Amen. How many hundreds of years was this written after the fact? Right? So, oh, so there, there's a prophetic fulfillment even for us that we will inherit the land. Amen. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. And the interesting thing is some people will even go further and say, oh, well, this is just Old Testament. And well, the only problem is that Jesus quotes this very verse in the Beatitudes. Where he says the meek shall inherit the land. Amen. Do you see? 
It says, The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. Right? Doesn't this sound like Psalm 2? The Lord laughs in the heavens, he scoffs, he, hold, he holds them in derision. Amen. Some again might say, oh, that's just Old Testament, brother. You need to get real. It's New Testament days. The only problem is with that is that Peter quotes that verse in the book of Acts. <laughs> right? The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright, but their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked, for the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. <clears throat> the blameless spend their days under the Lord's care and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In times of famine, they will enjoy plenty. You, you want to know why? Because our sources are drawn from the economy of heaven. Theirs are from the earth. So when famine hits them, they are hit with the plague. But when we, who trust in the Lord, we draw from inexhaustible resources. Amen. And those who would say otherwise would be saying things, Well, brother, get real. No, I'm not going to get real. Because your standard of real is fake. I'm going to get biblical. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's, uh, the Lord, though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed. They will go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those He curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of those of the one who delights in him though he may stumble he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand I was young and now I'm old yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the child begging bread they are always generous and lend freely their children will be a blessing um in the last uh, last two verses um uh, turn from evil and do good then you will dwell in the land forever for the Lord loves the just, and he will not forsake his faithful ones. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and so, verse 8, the final verse in Luke 18, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, will we persist in faith? And an indication of that, see, p prayer is not idleness. It's not inactivity. Prayer is activity. It's just spiritual activity. And we have to do it by faith because much of our praying, we won't see things immediately. But we're having the trust in the Lord's unfailing love that He will act. Right? And what I think further drives us at home is the widow was weak and couldn't do anything. And the judge was corrupt. But we come to a good God. We come to our Father. We come to a just judge. And so, 
the last thing I will say about this is um, it necessitates, it requires your utmost persistence. Keep praying, whether you feel it or not. Whether you, you get hit or not. In fact, that is all the more reason why you should. To keep, 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 keep at it, keep at it. And not faint. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let, let us uh, close in prayer. <coughs> Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we thank you. <coughs> we thank you for these precious promises. We thank you, O oh Lord, for your great truth. Father, I pray, God, that no one in this gathering would faint. I pray, O oh God, that we would be strengthened in our inner man. Father, I pray that we would rise up as valiant soldiers. And, O oh Lord, that we would stand even in the evil day. Father, I pray that you would grace us, O oh Lord, with your power. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would enable us as your people to obtain power in the place of prayer. O oh Lord, that we would give you rest neither day nor night. That we would not silence the Holy Ghost by failing to offer unto you, O Lord, our prayers. Father, make us constant. Make us consistent. Make us persistent. Make us importunate and audacious, O Lord, in our asking. Father, I pray that we would uh, die to the flesh and the natural man. And, O Lord, would be led by your Spirit. O Lord, strengthen us, O Lord, to trust in your unfailing love and to acknowledge, O Lord, that you will act and you will act quickly, that you will not put us off forever, that our hope will not perish and the needy will not always be forgotten. Lord, your word has declared in the Psalms that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Deliver us, O Lord, out of all of our afflictions. Deliver us, O Lord, out of all of our tribulations. And may we come through the fire unscathed and even purified, O Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that the enemy would not snatch whatever has been sown today, but it would yield an increase. It would yield fruit. That we would prove to be your disciples and bring forth much fruit. Hallelujah. And Lord, I just pray for every, every saint in this gathering that may be going through a distressing situation with any adversaries, Lord. I pray, bring them through, O oh God. Bring them through, O oh God. And vindicate them. Vindicate your, your children from every slanderous tongue. Every tongue of deception and manipulation. Oh Lord, vindicate your people. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. And we glorify your holy and precious name. Amen and amen. amen. Recording stopped.